Annyeong. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren. Today, I'm joined by two guests. First of all, returning uh, for the third time, Jim Donahue. Hello, Jim. Annyeong. And uh, debuting on this particular podcast, Drew Stewart. Hello, Drew. Hi, everybody. Uh, Annyeong, I guess. (laughs) 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 And today's episode is episode three of season three, Forget Me Now. It was broadcast on the 3rd of October 2005, and it was written by Tom Saunders, who people may recognize as Tom, the uh, Bluth employee. He, he, like a few of the smaller roles, they were played by writers um, you know, who, who were on staff, uh, rather than kind of casting people. <laughs> um, and it's directed by John, and I'm going to guess the name is pronounced um, Mo. Uh, Dio, Amodio. It's like rodeo, but with an like an AM at the beginning. I think. Um, uh, who I think this is the only episode of um, uh, Arrested Development that he directed. Um, I think he's just like a a, a normal like a TV director. There were a few episodes uh, over the over the run of the, the show where they just brought people in for just to direct one episode. Um, most of the time they had kind of like a few a few a few directors on staff like Paul Feig or or the Russo brothers that they brought back for a number of episodes um so this is kind of just a, a one off for him uh i don't think tom saunders either wrote any other episodes i i think he was um yeah he was he was mostly kind of like a just a, a staff writer um so I guess this is. I think this is probably his only episode that he actually wrote. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's rare that you get an episode that's just kind of like a, a one-off in both fields. Uh, mm-hmm. I should just mention actually that uh, John Amodio has um, has been nominated for some daytime Emmys, um, and he was nominated for uh, primetime Emmys for Arrested Development as well. So let's move on to the description of the episode, uh, as it is on uh, TV Guide. It says, A new lawyer counsels the Bluths who undo Michael's attempts to hide them from Rita and George Sr. plots to escape from house arrest. And I think that kind of describes most of the episode. A lot of it is about meeting, is about kind of getting Rita to meet the family or not meet the family, as the case may be. Um, and obviously kind of the introduction here of uh, Scott Bio as... Uh, Bayo, should I say, as uh, as Bob Loblaw, <laughs> uh, a name which I, I to me it feels like they came up with the name and then wrote the character to fit it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Drew, when did you come to Arrested Development? Did you watch it when it was on the air, or did you come to it later on on DVD or well, Netflix? Well, well, like most people, I came to it later on uh, on DVD. I forget who was the blessed person who let me borrow their DVDs. But but it was that kind of a situation, like, I can't believe you haven't watched the show. And so they gave me all the DVDs and we watched them all in, you know, a weekend or something. Yeah, that does seem to be quite a common situation where people are just like, I don't know why you didn't watch this when it was on the air. Have all my DVDs and watch it in one go. Yeah, but it was like well after the series was over. And, you know, of course I felt bad. Like, well, had I known it was there, I might have made an effort to watch it. But I didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's my fault. I cancelled Arrested Development. For the third season, they moved it from Sunday to Monday, so it was actually the lead-off. Um, but they followed it up with, like, Kitchen Confidential and then Prison Break. And I don't know who would look at that Monday night and go, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's what I want to watch. I want to watch Arrested Development 
Followed by Kitchen Confidential, followed by Prison Break. What is this? Like, that's such an odd lineup. I don't... What is it with Fox? They just don't know what to do with any of their shows, ever. No, it's telling that... that what, was kit- what was Kitchen Confidential? I don't know. I don't I'm know not American. <laughs> but it's telling that, late, that, like, obviously after they kind of cancelled... Uh, you know, they ended this in February. So after they finished the third season, they changed it for um, Celebrities on Ice or something. Or Celebrities Dancing on Ice or something like that. And that actually finished like in the top fifty and was higher rated than any other episode of Arrested Development. Wait a minute, so... Kitchen Confidential is based on an Anthony Bourdain book, and it starred Bradley Cooper. <laughs> is that right? Wow! I'm, it is. Boy, it, it, was am, a, it was a yeah, single camera sitcom too. based on Anthony Bourdain's best-selling book. And Nicholas Brandon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and John Francis Daly <laughs> from Geeks and Geeks. What the- well, that is an oddity. See, there you go. Oh, and and uh, Sam Pancake, who was the assistant to uh, Barry Zuckercorn. Well, there we go. Full circle. That's interesting. Yeah. So I can understand why you didn't watch it if that was the show that it was <laughs> leading out to. So anyway, let's get into the episode. Um, we start the episode with the replacement of Barry Zuckercorn. Of course, Barry Zuckercorn was fired in the first episode of the season. Uh, when Michael had to go to Reno, Nevada to make uh, the biggest little mistake of his life. Uh, and he, he got rid of Barry Zuckercorn. And so they have his replacement, which is played by Scott Bio, playing Bob Loblaw, um, who, um, you know, is a more sensible and kind of competent lawyer, even though in his advert... He basically keeps closing the same book four times. <laughs> Every angle, he just slams the book closed. Yeah, which is such a great joke. Um, and kind of, I mean, I, over here we don't have lawyers advertising on television, but I imagine that that is an accurate kind of picture of what those types of adverts look like. Is that a, is that a legal? Yeah, I mean, a, are they not allowed law? to advertise or is it that they're all government provided? Barristers, barristers can't advertise because... Um, barristers are appointed once a case goes to court, so there's no need for them to advertise because they come from a, a very small pool. Okay. Um, so, so you have no choice over your barrister, essentially. It's just who... I mean, you sort of do. If you can afford a better barrister, you get a better barrister. Um, but our solicitors don't really advertise on television in this manner. They advertise for, like, specific kind of um, types of claims, like injury claims and stuff like that, but they don't really just advertise themselves generally. That's just not a thing that we do over here. Um, whereas, obviously, much like you know, medical stuff, no one, no one kind of advertises anything that isn't over the counter medicine over here. Um, you know, no one is asking their doctor if something is right for them when they go in. They go into the NHS. But yeah, so I find it interesting that he kind of not only that, but he basically he seems to be advertising directly to to George Senior when he says, "Are you a CEO, CFO, or other executive facing these or similar charges?" It just seems like, but I do love the whole, you know, you don't need double talk, you need blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and obviously that name, over the next kind of few episodes, that is, just his name alone is always a guaranteed kind of laugh. Yes. I, I, I love Michael's line, we're not here to talk nonsense to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's the best. Oh. Yeah. And obviously this is where we also get the kind of, the, the storyline that's been going on from the episode, you know, the episode before this, and we'll go on to the kind of, um, you know, for, for the next four or five episodes, is with uh, Rita and uh, Uncle Trevor, uh, who apparently are a British syndicate that are, are threatening 
uh, Jewish senior. Of course, they're not actually, but that is how they're kind of being painted. And obviously, we see we see Trevor threatening um, Michael from the from the episode before. And of course, uh, this also serves as the introduction to uh, is it Bob Einstein? I, I, know, I can never be completely sure. Um, yeah, uh, yeah Bob, Einstein Bob Einstein as Larry Middleman, which <laughs> uh, is such a such a great surname because that is, of course, what he is. And I, I like how um, Larry just kind of starts talking without introducing himself. Um, and you know, he's talking about how you know they're having the meeting here, so his fa- so their father can't interfere. And Larry just goes, "I had to pull down your pants and spank your ass." Wrong. Michael goes. I'm sorry. Have we met? And I just, I love how, uh, like, the kind of the, you know the escalate and the escalation that kind of George Senior is doing without realizing that Michael hasn't got a clue who this strange man with the hat and the camera is. I like the hat. Like, yeah, it's just like like it's an official job. Like this is something that everyone has in this weird comedy <laughs> universe. Like, yeah, sure, he's a surrogate. He has a hat that's a surrogate on it. Yeah, I would love if uh, Bob Blah Blah had a hat that just said, you know, lawyer or something like that. That would be like a nice touch. They don't do <laughs> so that, that everybody so. knows that. If he handed yeah. out hats at that first meeting, like <laughs> son, worthless son, other son. Yeah, that would be that would be quite funny if they did that. I just uh, rewatched um, I, Bob Einstein. For those who don't know, is Albert Brooks's brother, and I just rewatched. Uh, modern romance and there's a wonderful scene where albert brooks goes to a sporting goods store and is waited on by bob einstein and it's one of the highlights of the movie it's but i think it's albert brooks best movie if you haven't seen it see it of course albert brooks real name being albert einstein so albert einstein oh, exactly i wondered how that worked i'm like wait what <laughs> <laughs> did you not realize that albert brooks name was albert einstein i had no idea i've i've i don't no. think i've seen an albert brooks movie and that's that's on me and I apologize, and if I'm if I make, have to leave, make the, modern romance leave the podcast, your number one choice. Okay. Yeah, I'll write or, it down. Or if you want an easy one, watch the Simpsons movie because you know he's in that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I love this kind of the way they use the surrogate when he's when he's in the episodes. The way they use it is kind of brilliant. How they'll cut between George Senior saying something, they'll cut back to Larry finishing a sentence, and they do this for the entire run that Larry is um, in the show. But like they introduce you to the idea where Larry is saying, this camera helps me keep tabs on you idiots while this thing rubs my ankle raw. <laughs> and then they, they, they cut back to Joe Senior saying, look at this thing. And then Larry finishes by saying, I can't even go in the hallway. And then we cut straight back to Joe Senior saying, without hearing that. And then Larry just goes, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And I just love the way that Bob Einstein, he's so He's so good in this role. Like it's it's such a stupid thing, but he really sells like the idea of just being a neutral party that just relays what the other person is saying, and just the way that he flatly just goes beep beep beep. Um, I just love it. And and then of course blah blah blah. While the beeping is going on, he goes, "Oh, that's one of my partners," and he gets up to go and answer a page. <laughs> and to, I every single time I watch it, I, I I can't hear the page of buzzing, so I think he's just like faking it. Oh no no, he's he's a hundred percent thinks that that the surrogate beeping is his it's pager. Both, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's so it's so weird, such a weird joke. And then of course you know this is where Lindsay says, "I'd like to be one of your partners," 
Um, and then she says to Michael, do you think he got the two meanings? And I like Michael going, he's running pretty fast. I think he did. Um, <laughs> which I kind of like. Now, throughout this episode, like Lindsay, um, you know, after kind of spending a season with, in an open relationship, which was, of course, spectacularly unsuccessful uh, because it finished the season with, you know, Tobias dressed up as Mrs. Featherbottom and then running away um, <laughs> with uh, Kitty. Uh, so obviously that didn't work. Uh, so for this season, she is pursuing an actual divorce. And of course, uh, you know, she inquires with Bob Loblaw about doing that. Uh, and then later in the episode, she will kind of return to that, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of idea. Uh, and, you know, Michael met Rita in the episode before. And um, this episode, he returns to Wee Britain, uh, which once again, you know, Whenever he gets to Wee Britain, he always ends up doing something wrong that makes someone annoyed at him. He's always on the wrong side of the road or bumping into someone. And uh, it seems like like a very impolite place, uh, which, of course, the real Britain is definitely not that. Um, you know, it's nothing but very polite people. Yeah, sure, here. Darren. Uh, sure. Al- although I would like, actually, if, if Arrested Development had, like, a fifth season, if they were to return to Wee Britain and have something about, you know, like a Wee Britain, a wee Brexit. I think that would be quite interesting uh, to see them do that. But uh, yeah, I, this wee Britain thing is just such an odd joke. Um, you know, like I, I never quite fully understand what they're trying to do. But just the idea that there's a couple of blocks in in Orange County that are just pretending to be Britain. Well, I, I think it's so I think odd. it's supposed to be like um, Chinatown in in various cities and stuff. And it's just like why why is yeah, it only Chinatown? Yeah. Why can't it be? England town. <laughs> yeah, although just the fact that they decide to enforce the road laws as well and and have everything running on GMT, it's just yeah, such an that, odd way of doing that's things. That's pretty great, though. Um, my, my hometown has a Polish town. Yeah. So if you are in need of kielbasa, Excellent. I can tell you where to go. <laughs> well, I, where I live at the moment, I'm actually around the corner from a number of Polish shops and a, a pub that actually serves Polish food. So, you know, I'm kind of used to the concept of having a, a couple of you know, shops for people with uh, different ethnicities, but I just think that the whole concept of we've written is so <laughs> odd. Uh, and of course, you know, we get some of the stuff about, uh, you know, like Job here starts this joke about talking about how everyone that Michael wants, you know, dates is a dog, uh, which I do not think is a fair assessment of, you know, like the people that he's been out with, because if you think about it, it's like Heather Graham and Julie Louis-Dreyfus and, um, uh, I'm trying to think of, of who else, but like these are not these are not by any stretch of the imagination dogs. These are all well, very even beautiful in, women. Even in this episode, they show a bunch of hot women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of which Buster well, makes I, I fun of. I think it's a callback to the episode uh, where Job thinks that Michael is hitting on his girlfriend's ugly girlfriend, who was played by the uh, principal on Glee. Yeah, I don't remember what episode yeah, that was. Nashgalia. And then the uh, the uh, he gets the teachers confused. Also, he sleeps with the wrong teacher. <laughs> yeah. thinking that Michael. That is the that's the one we had the Graham. So you know, Michael spends his time focusing yes, on yes. her shock and awe from season one. So you know, um, I just think it's odd that Job kind of takes this time to start making this joke with his his dad through the surrogate, um, <laughs> where he starts saying, you know, if you're having lunch, better bring some dog food because all the girls you date are dogs. And dogs love dog food. 
<laughs> it's like you, you can't even do it as like a subtle joke. He has to keep kind of nailing it. And Michael is not wrong when he says she's exquisitely beautiful. I'm sure I'll mention this every single episode that contains Charlie Theron. But she is literally she is ridiculous. amazing. She's like one of the most beautiful people on the planet. And it's so odd that like a year after she won an Oscar, they got her on this sitcom. Um, but uh, yeah, if it's one of the things that always kind of astounds me when she's introduced, I'm like. I can't believe they got Charlie Theron to just come on and play this character for like yeah. five episodes. It's like so, it's so odd. I, I have to admit something here about her character. Yes. Go for uh, it. I thought that she was a British spy until the reveal. Like <laughs> watching it again now, I'm like, oh my god, how stupid was I? So so many clues, so many clues, which we'll discuss as we get to them in this episode. But yeah, but, but it's so brilliant. Uh, my, my favorite clue is there in this episode because, like, yeah, it could be misinterpreted to be that they are spies. <laughs> like, I'm watching it now. I'm like. Oh my god. <laughs> there is one thing that they actually do with Rita's character, uh, which kind of hints towards the spy stuff, uh, where she wears different hats that might appear to have some kind of listening devices in. Yes. Uh, much, much like the yes. much like the surrogate has the, the Kunskin's cap. Yeah. And in this episode, she specifically she... Uh, takes the tail <laughs> on the on the Kunskin cap. And points and, it at and... Michael. Like, holds it, points it at Michael, like it's a microphone. This is where we get a little bit of interaction between Trevor and Rita. Obviously, once you know that she's not a spy, some of this is completely confusing, um, you know. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, the whole thing about don't forget your hat uh, lends it to the idea that maybe it has a listening device. But obviously, it's just, I don't know, don't forget your hat. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, I like how Lindsay, you know, says that uh, Bob Loblaw is a handsome man, a professional man, and I'm only used to none of those things. None of those <laughs> things. <laughs> and this is where we get the introduction of possibly one of my favourite quick little visual jokes. And obviously it's also kind of a, um, you know, like a, a language joke as well, where uh, Tobias says that um, he's a professional twice over, an analyst and a therapist, the world's first <laughs> anaerobist. And then, of course, this is where we get the beautiful business card that flashes on the screen. And uh, Lindsay says you were almost arrested for those business cards. And I, I mean, I know, Jim, we, we've had you on episodes where you couldn't believe what they got past the censors. I, I, yeah, this I was going to say, this is another one of those jokes I can't believe they got through. I think just the fact that he's saying a nowropist means that they can get away with having it on the screen and, and everyone understanding it. Uh, yeah, but I do, I do love as well that Tobias says it did not look good on paper, and I didn't stop because of the police inquiries, <laughs> which is just such a. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think this uh, later on in the episode, as we as we get to understand what the title of the episode "Forget Me Now" means, there are some kind of dark things in here. But that just seems like what would they investigate in? Like. I don't know. And then, of course, uh, you know, Tobias has been getting um, hair implants and we see them from the back here and they just look terrible. I don't know why he <laughs> thinks that he will be working as a leading man with hair like that. Knowing Tobias, he probably never looks at the back of his head, like never does that <laughs> two mirror thing. No. I mean, because no. he, he imagines he looks good from the front and that's all that matters because that's all yeah. he sees. I guess. Tobi Tobias also has a, another horrifying line in this scene. The, uh, I stopped to raise our little daughter, but since we've both started to grow hair in unexpected <laughs> places, I suppose I shall soon be working for a leading man. Yeah. 
That is just... I'm. I, oh, my yeah. God. And this episode is also one of the... In terms of, like, the George Michael maybe storyline, which obviously has been going on since the pilot, it introduces a kind of, like, almost like a, a cousin threesome here as we are introduced... <laughs> We're introduced to, to Steve Holt, but not just as Steve Holt, but as Steve Holt, the cousin of, of you know, Michael, and uh, George Michael and maybe. And, and, you know, I just I love the the kind of the exchange here between maybe where she says that Steve knows how to please a lady. And George Michael, of course, says, good. I was hoping he would be gifted sexually. <laughs> and then of course he says what a fun sexy time for you <laughs> and he michael sarah's delivery of that line is so wonderful yeah i think i think like season three michael sarah is probably one of my favorites because you know in the first couple of seasons he seemed a bit more kind of like he was still a professional actor obviously but kind of the character seemed a bit more nervous and he sometimes he seemed a little unsure of his delivery but by season three, he he kind of really knows this character. Oh, yeah, he, he kills it. Yeah, and he's just so good in every scene. And then, of course, you know, Bob Loblaw is saying to be careful of the British people and, um, you know, talking about the evidence. And so George Senior starts this <laughs> run of, so you're saying shred the evidence, and Bob Loblaw's like, it's illegal. And he's like, so you're saying shred the evidence? And he's like, that's a felony. And then, of course, George Senior says, wink. And then Larry just goes, wink. And then he goes, did you say wink or did you wink? And I love that Larry is saying all this stuff. And this is something that the surrogate will do a lot where George Sr. will kind of give instructions to him to do stuff, but he'll just say them out loud. <laughs> uh, and it's such a kind of a, a, a rich kind of um, set of jokes that they kind of mine from that. Um, but but then he like follows Bob out the door as does. as George George is yelling about how no stay with them stay with them <laughs> yeah he just keeps saying that but he follows Bob Loblaw I'm guessing because Bob Loblaw is paying the bills for him so he wants to make sure you know that he's going to get paid or something but I do find it funny that he just kind of wanders off and then we get a great exchange as um, you know one of the kind of B plots of this episode is. Uh, is Job hiding from his son, um, and um, <laughs> so um, when when you know George George Michael finds out that Steve Holt is um, Job's son, he says, "But the moron jock." And Job kind of grabs him and says, "My son, you pothead!" <laughs> Which of course itself calls back to uh, peer pressure when you know <laughs> George Michael asked him to get some pot. Uh, on behalf of Buster. I just, I love how kind of angry he gets. And then obviously this is where George Michael works out that he's, Steve Holt is his cousin and maybe his cousin too. And I love how kind of unconcerned Michael is when he's like, I guess. <laughs> he's like, I'm late for my date. And he just leaves. And I don't know who Job is saying this next line to because he goes, when Michael says he's late for his date, he says, at the kennel. And he's like, sorry, you lobbed that right over the plate, Michael. Home run. And it's like, who is he trying to... Like, I'm <laughs> impressed with that joke. It's yeah, us, it's, the audience. I guess, yeah, I guess. But it just seems like he's just kind of randomly yelling that into like a, an empty house, basically. And then, of course, we meet Rita um, on the space shuttle uh, in <laughs> in a themed restaurant. No, no. If you're yes? if you're not watching along, a toy space shuttle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have clarified that. Um, yeah, at, at a at a theme restaurant called Fat Amies. <laughs> I, I find it odd actually because um, you know uh, over here in in England we don't really have theme restaurants in this way. Um, like they're not like a, a kind of common thing. 
And we do actually just have a number of just American chain restaurants. Um, you know, so it could have just been a pizza hut because that's what we have over here. Like, yeah, it's not it's not difficult to have. I don't know. I, I Again, it's kind of like a it's just a weird thing. Um, but I, I do I do love the waiter asking uh, first of all saying hey dudes <laughs> to both of them <laughs> and saying that he's going to get them a couple of sixty four ounce colas uh, to wash down the the basket of donuts and nachos. <laughs> I, I, do either of you know? Are there any good jokes hidden in the uh, the posters in the restaurant? I was watching on a rather small screen and I I couldn't read them. Uh, not that I, I, I don't know. know. I didn't see any. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any that kind of hint at stuff. Um, I, I think there's just kind of, um, uh, you know, just, just normal kind of like American like style posters, uh, though, obviously, you know, when Michael kind of leaves with his, um, his, uh, doggy bag, it says, I'm still eating at fat Annie's, um, printed on the side of this gigantic bag that they take. <laughs> yeah. The leftover bag, the huge, you've got like four doggy bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is quite a lot. But no, I don't think there's any real kind of background jokes hidden in that in that particular uh restaurant. Obviously there's just quite a lot of like nods to how to Rita's condition basically. There's just a lot of stuff about, you know, her sitting on the kind of the space shuttle ride, um, you know, her kind of talking about how she only meets little boys, uh all that kind of stuff. Like there's just a lot more stuff to kind of hint at what's going on with Rita. And and the whole time I just assumed that she was just a quirky British person. <laughs> yeah. It's the accent. It's the accent. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I love I love of course this is the first time in the entire run of the show where the title of the episode is said. And Michael says your average American male is in a perpetual state of adolescence, you know, arrested development. And I love the narrator just going, hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> uh, which I'm always tempted to say uh, that's the name of the podcast whenever anyone says I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I kind of I like as well how, you know, Rita's kind of attention wonders um, and <laughs> Michael is kind of like uh, trying to keep her attention, particularly when she's like, I'm getting back on the space shuttle. She just, she's trying to get up and kind of wander off. And then this is the point at which we get a flashback to, after Rita says she wants to meet Michael's family, uh, we see flashbacks to various girlfriends that Michael has had. Um, and it's worth noting that the number of people that Michael has been with has been very carefully monitored. And um, at the start of the series, it was four. And then as he added... Um, various girlfriends it's climbed now to this point where it's actually at seven so uh, you know counting Marta as one of them it seems that uh, Dee and Barbara are are you know two of the others after his wife died um, from what I can tell um, and uh, uh, Barbara is the one who is um, Buster is making fun of isn't she um, yes. Out of the two, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know why, because this doesn't seem like something Buster would do. Uh, but obviously, he sees that Barbara has large breasts, and he decides to <laughs> stick some balloons under his top and kind of wander <laughs> around the apartment, mimicking her. And Michael has to keep talking to her, and you can't really hear what he's saying, but he's talking about like really uninteresting things and kind of just pointing at stuff to keep her attention away from what Buster yeah, is like doing. He points at his bottle that he's pouring from it, and stuff. It's the, uh, it's the cloud mirror vodka making its, yes. making a return. Yeah. Appearance. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I had spotted that. Yes. But it's, it's just so, it's just so, because he starts talking about the bottle and he just, he kind of tries to keep distracting her. 
Uh, and of course, this is the debut and you know the final episode for Marta 3.0. Uh, as she walks in and gets handed uh, like some rubber gloves and, and some cleaning stuff, and Lucille takes her off to clean the fridge. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was just just I, and on the commentary, you know, they they say that uh, they kind of did this deliberately, just like having one more actress play Marta before the series finished. Uh, just kind of as a joke, basically, <laughs> just just to kind of point out that they already had two actresses playing this one role, and then of course <laughs> she gets she gets to say one word or two. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> and then at this particular point, Michael comes up with a plan, which basically for the rest of the episode <laughs> kind of ends up causing more problems than it solves. Um, as you know, Michael, the narrator tells us he came up with a solution so simple he wondered why he never told anyone it before. And then, of course, Michael says, I don't have a family. And he repeats what the narrator said by saying, I can't believe I've never told anyone that before. Uh, and I like when Rita says that's so sad. And Michael's like, yeah, super sad. Uh, let's just eat. <laughs> he's just like, he doesn't really, he's kind of basically just killed his entire family off. And he's just, you know, moving on straight away. Um, and then, you know... Uh, we get a quick flash as well, you know, back to Barbara when, when you know, Michael realises that Rita wants to come over to the house. Um, now, I, 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 I don't think she's been there before. Kind of obviously the introduction of Rita is a bit more gradual than some of the other girlfriends that Michael has had. Uh, but I do, I do like how, um, you know, Michael decides that he's going to kind of get the family together at a gathering and then not go to it. Um, you know, and so we kind of we kind of get through that by having Michael see everyone. He walks into the office and everyone is literally throwing stuff into um, uh, like what are they called? Like wood chippers? Is is that what? Yeah, they're... yeah. He's just yes. everyone's throwing stuff into wood chippers and there's paper everywhere. <laughs> and then of course, you know, Job is is the one who's doing all the shredding. And I like how he says, "How can I say no to that face?" And we just see Bob Einstein's kind of blank face. <laughs> uh, just with no expression and I, I just kind of love it uh, and and Lucille as well decides to take the surrogate out in place of um, in place of George Senior uh, and when we cut back to George Senior we, we see that he's watching this program where uh, there's a guy who's got a load of helium balloons and he's putting them onto a chair uh, and this is where <laughs> he, he we find out that Buster has gone to a medal ceremony uh, you know, which Lucille characterizes as, you know, it was probably because he's he had his hand uh, bit off by a seal. And she says, The army has taken to giving medals for being food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's such a great line. I don't think it's, it's true. We find out later on what the ceremony was actually for. But yeah, so Buster has a, has this medal and um, uh, George Senior, uh, you know, as uh, cutting back and forth, he realizes uh, that his ankle monitor only goes off when, the, when he goes out the front door. So they need balloons. Um, and Larry sums it up by saying, uh, for Buster's stupid thing. <laughs> then he goes, Larry, <laughs> go get some balloons, which I, I think is quite funny because obviously Michael then realizes that if everyone's going to be out of the house, then that's when he can bring Rita over. And I love that. I love the way he kind of sets this up by saying, you know, on a Buster tomorrow night, we've got to get the whole family over to the penthouse, show my support. Uh, and I, I love Lucille's line of, well, it's better than drinking alone. And then she says, what time? And I love Michael's dismissive. doesn't matter to me. I can't be there. I've got a date with Rita. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously, uh, this is where we get the start of the, the, the Buster and Tobias storyline in this episode, which is, 
it's rare that these two are in a story together. Uh, so I really enjoy the kind of the interaction between the two of them. Um, and, and obviously, you know, Buster <laughs> seems down on himself. And so Tobias gives him the business card. And I love Buster kind of exclaiming. <laughs> and, to, and Tobias saying, no, it's a narrowpist. And Buster saying, uh, it wasn't really the pronunciation that bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias basically gets the advantage of kind of almost playing on the construction of dr- joke that the series has set up. Uh, where he says it wasn't the seal that you couldn't stand up to, it was Lucille. And then, of course, Buster gasps. <laughs> Tobias is like, oh, I'm getting chills. <laughs> um, and, of course, you know, Tobias tries to kind of control the universe here, where he says, uh, if this was a, a Lifetime Moment of Truth movie, this would be our act bake. And, of course, the narrator says, but it wasn't. <laughs> Just, just one of those meta jokes that I kind of I really enjoy. Bob Loblaw, obviously, his his kind of um, his kind of blank uh, way of of describing things leads to a slight confusion when Lindsay talks to him on the phone, and he says, um, "You know, can you catalogue the various ways which the promise uh, to be fulfilled, whether or not said promise was made explicit?" Uh, which, of course, Lindsay misinterprets when <laughs> she. She asks him, you want me to be explicit? And then, of course, he he puts the challenge of, I need to be getting off in four minutes. (laughs) Michael decides to go and find Rita the next day. You know, when he he gets to the the house, all the stuff that um, Joe wasn't able to shred is now all over the house, basically. (laughs) Uh, You know, and it's there partly because of that, but also because, you know, um, Tobias is teaching (laughs) Joe... To stand up to Lucille, and Buster. so obviously he, yeah, sorry, yes, he's teaching uh, Buster to stand up to Lucille, and he's he's got you know all the the family photos everywhere, and he's also <laughs> wearing uh, Lucille's clothes, and he's got like a wig on, and um, so much so that that Michael is is kind of thinks that it is Lucille, and you know I, I like how you know. There's a bit of confusion when, when Michael asks why he's being Lucille, uh, but Tobias interprets it as, um, why, are you, why are you wearing these clothes in this combination? <laughs> um, <laughs> which, where he, he tells Michael, I've tried everything on and nothing seems to be working. And of course, Buster says, I thought the Donny Karen worked. You just didn't have the right shoes. <laughs> uh, Can you imagine how long that they probably just dug through her closet? <laughs> yeah and this is kind of the the second time that he's done this because uh when he was mrs featherbottom you know at one point lucille made him work because she said if he's gonna raid my closet he's gonna he's gonna work for it um <laughs> so this is the second time that he's he's that's raided a, her closet it's a terrible wig by the way it doesn't look like lucille's hair at all <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean i guess it's just it's just you know for the enough to fool michael for a few seconds i guess yeah, she does have a very specific type of hairstyle, which I guess I don't. I guess on a sitcom they didn't have enough time to get it to match perfectly. Uh, but I kind of like how it works, just for the the quick joke. Um, and of course, when Michael tells Tobias to get out of there, uh, he he says to to Buster, "That's how you stand up to mother." And then both of them start practicing saying "get out of there." They don't actually get out; they just practice what he's just said, which I think is quite funny. Uh, and then of of course. Uh, maybe has been uh, seeing Steve Holt, and um, at this particular point, she's she's trying to organise uh, a date with him. Um, 
but she's you know she's un- she's not really aware of what the date will entail. Uh, and the narrator tells us that her her job as a, a movie studio executive, uh, she had greenlit two films that dealt with this this particular issue, and we see two scripts, one of which is called uh, "Losing It" by Judd Apatow, uh, which is then <laughs> renamed the Fourteen Year Old Virgin, <laughs> and then we see uh, the sexual assault of Abigail F uh, by Callie Corey, which is renamed "Losing It." And I think that second one is not completely appropriate in terms of uh, the title change. No, um, <laughs> I, I get it. I guess it's just you know it's just a way to kind of attract people's attention, and then obviously maybe sets up a date with uh, Steve Holt, um, where she intends to kind of um, you know um, break up with him essentially, or, or at least try and let him down. Um, and at this particular point, George Michael. Um, <laughs> he meets he meets yeah. Steve Holt and Steve Holt says I'm doing your cousin tonight to which George Michael says so are you which, which, <laughs> is, kind of, which is kind of odd and then of course he reveals that uh, maybe is, is also his cousin it's hardly a reveal because they just haven't stopped to think about it Steve, well Steve Holt only knew how to do one thing which is to say his own name so I, I guess yeah he wouldn't have really I mean he he kind of knows that Job is his father, but I don't think he's really saying that. I, I he you know he knows who maybe his parents are, but because they have a different surname, maybe he didn't connect it together. Uh-huh. that you makes know, sense. That makes she's, sense. She's maybe Funke, and he's not terribly bright. Let's face maybe it. Maybe probably hasn't been paying attention to Job. I'm, why would she? You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't think their paths cross that often. Um, <laughs> You know, there is well, there was one episode where Joe basically kind of like insults maybe to her face, and she kind of just walks off. Um, so they don't strike me as two people who who would. Um... In fact, I would struggle to think in the entire series of a storyline that they actually share where it's just them together. Yeah, I don't think there are. Yeah, back at the at the apartment as they're getting ready for the party, uh, Lucille doesn't want um, Tobias dressed as her. To which Buster explains, "Oh no, he was just a narrowpin me." <laughs> Uh, and then obviously he says you know uh, Michael barged in and kicked us out so he could shred all the evidence (laughs) which obviously he wasn't going I mean he was going to get rid of the evidence of the family but he wasn't going to shred the evidence that might likely convict uh, George Senior Uh, but I do I do love how all of the family kind of see this as like a nice gesture and of course Lucille takes the opportunity here to berate everyone by saying uh, let's face it, you people haven't been great with others. Uh, and of course, you know, Job says, well, in our defense, mom, we're not exactly dog people. <laughs> uh, which again continues this joke, which nobody else seems to be acknowledging. Lucille changes the party from a party about uh, Buster to one about welcoming Rita. Uh, and of course, as Buster is downcast and he says, you know, you're so right, this is better than a party for me, Tobias. In the distance, only in his kind of in his Lucille underwear, says, "Come on, grow a pair." Um, <laughs> and, and this is this is where George Senior decides that they need some weather balloons for the party and a tank of hydrogen. <laughs> and the thing is, he says the words "tank of hydrogen" so quickly, you don't realize the joke that he's setting up for later on in the episode as well. It's just like a very brief uh, line. And then I <laughs> like Job's kind of really weird message. Because he doesn't say Michael's name when he gets the answer machine. He says, hey, friend. 
Job here. <laughs> and I just kind of find that so weird. <laughs> and like, <laughs> we're really nice now. It's like, yeah. Wait, what? You can't just decide to be nice all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a great kind of... Because Job's, obviously, Job's delivery of most lines, you know, the way that Will Arnett delivers them, he's kind of a bit more aggressive. So when he kind of, you know, takes the bass out of his voice and tries to be sweet, it just sounds so kind of weird and threatening. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it does. so I don't know why they, they chose that direction to go with and as the family pick up Rita using the, the cabin that they recently acquired uh, uh. which obviously is the only thing that's large enough to carry all of them uh, we get one of the, the more obvious kind of um, background jokes because uh, Rita is sitting on the bench hiding her name or most of her name uh, so the sign advertising We Britain says We Brain uh, you know, giving a hint as to, to what oh. Peter is exactly. Uh, is this not something that you had previously spotted, Drew? No, I didn't even spot it this time. Yeah, she's <laughs> sitting on the bench and she's hiding the letters, so it, spell, it says "We Brain." Uh, this is kind of a, <laughs> kind of the same joke that they did with uh, Buster because he was uh, when he was sitting uh, going because he was on the bench, which was advertising the army officer and. Oh yes, arm off. Arm off. Yeah. Arm off. Right. yeah, so this is a similar joke to that. They they see Rita and Lindsay is the one who draws her in. Um and then of course Job says, We're nice <laughs> once again. <laughs> As a way to try and keep her inside. And then obviously, you know, Rita tries to leave and uh Lucille kind of grabs uh Rita and, and brings her in and yells for for Lindsay to drive and I think it's funny because obviously the cabin can't go away that quickly like the the loader that it's on doesn't really drive that fast so even as they're kind of trying to get out of there quickly they they kind of go a little slow when they're inside the the cabin uh, which I must say is a great set like it's it's just the fact that they went from having a stair car to having a cabin as their mode of transport is such an odd turn to take but I just kind of I just love this set uh and and this is where things obviously take a slightly darker turn, um, where uh, you know Rita has had a seal backpack on for all the episodes she's in. Uh, so as she turns and Buster sees it, he kind of hits her and knocks her out. Um, and then of course Tobias says, uh, "Now that's an act break." And this time he's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, we're told as the next act break starts that Buster had overcome his fear of seals, um, <laughs> which I don't think he has. Uh, but he, all he's done really, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, to all me he's either. done really is just knock out Rita, which is <laughs> not him overcoming anything. And, and then, of course, this is this is where uh, you know Buster kind of becomes a bit sinister when he he says to you know he says to his mom, "I can show you what he's done." And uh, Lucille says, <laughs> you know, you made a mistake. You're human, except for the hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we get one of the kind of darker lines in the episode that kind of casts Job in a very, um, a very kind of uh, odd light where he says, uh, it's okay, she's alive. And this is as he's like kneeled to her, examining her. And he says, and soft, soft and alive. <laughs> Lucille yeah. says, let's not add that to the charges. So... I mean, <laughs> besides kidnapping, I, like they've already kidnapped and assaulted her. Obviously, Michael will will kind of summarize all this later on when he finally finds Rita. Um, but yeah. you know, there's a suggestion of what Job will do while she's kind of asleep uh, or knocked out there, and then he he kind of adds to this by saying that uh, maybe we can give them a 
uh, a forget me now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then obviously he kind of puts the pill in her mouth. And this is where Lucille asks the question, uh, what's a forget me now? And uh, Job explains that it's merely a mainstay of the magician's toolkit. <laughs> like how clowns always have a rag soaked in ether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he says it, it creates a, a sort of temporary forgettingness. Obviously, you know, it's only if people under, kind of figure out how you do a magic trick. Now, given how many times Job over the course of this series has given away how they do magic tricks, I hope he hasn't given forget me now as to everybody <laughs> because there'll be tons of people just wandering around and it's worth noting here that obviously the forget me now is they don't make a return in this season but in season four there is an episode that basically spends 10 minutes just riffing on what would happen if you forgot that you'd taken a forget me now <laughs> and of course tobias just explains what this is which is uh uh flun- i think is how it's pronounced uh basically it's a roofie uh, and of course, uh, you know, when Lucille points out they're illegal, Job says, Shut up, Mom. Don't let me give you another one of these. <laughs> again, kind of hints that something has gone on. And then, you know, they put Rita back on the bench where they found her. Uh, and Michael had been preparing the house for a romantic dinner. And Steve Holt arrives um, just to see maybe and the kind of romantic dinner. And she says, well, this sends a mixed message, which I think is quite funny. And I think I think the story here with kind of maybe and George Michael and uh, and Steve Holt, it's kind of odd because obviously they haven't. I mean, you know, they, they kissed at the start of this season and, you know, she, she found Steve Holt in Reno and and kissed him as well. Um, so this is kind of the season where they've really kind of pushed back towards this incest storyline for season two. They really kind of. Uh, leaned off it a little bit but they really go back to it quite heavily in this episode um, and I I think that kind of once we get to the end of it where you know George Michael returns and sees Steve Holt knocked out with a forget me now <laughs> I, I think it, it kind of becomes a bit of a sweet storyline um, but I do love here how maybe says she's going to get sexy and then as she kind of goes off to camera you can see on her face that she kind of drops and she has no idea what she's doing <laughs> but I, I also like as well that Michael is is trying with Rita like in the past a lot of the kind of girlfriends that he's gone out with like Sally Sitwell or you know uh, Maggie uh, Liza they've just kind of fallen into his lap and he hasn't really had to do anything uh, but with Rita, he kind of seems to be putting in the effort. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. And I think it's quite funny how he's he's given himself like a strike count where, you know, he's missed her and he says that's strike two. Uh, you know, because back in the restaurant, like, you know, her kind of not being entertained was strike one. Um, and as we get back to the penthouse, we see Lucille instructing people to get rid of anything that says Rita. Um, and then obviously she proposes a new banner, um, which... <laughs> When they when we when we arrive at it, it is family love, Michael. Yeah. What was it first though? First, it was a reuse of of another Buster. Banger. Well, the the Buster one for, at first was "You're Killing Me, Buster," which they changed to "You're Kidding Me, Buster." <laughs> and then they never got to do a banner for Buster in this episode because obviously it became a party for Rita very quickly. So the poster said "Welcome, Rita," and then they changed that to "Family Love, Michael." <laughs> uh, I don't, it's just I don't know uh, the banners just seem to be something that they they think will solve problems <laughs> and, and at this particular point Michael finds Rita on the bus bench where she's been left by the family after being knocked out and drugged 
<laughs> and Michael, you know, he, he kind of... He's, it's funny because he's kind of making excuses about, you know, why he didn't pick her up. And obviously she's quite woozy. So, uh, you know, as she as she kind of drops a little bit in and out of consciousness, Michael keeps trying to make excuses for uh, why he's going to do better and stuff like that. Um, and, and he talks about having to make a quick stop. Um, and obviously Michael is is racing up to pay his quick respects to Buster, unaware that the entire... Uh, part he has now become about him and I love how when he enters uh, George Senior says there he is my favourite son and Tobias chimes in with everyone's family uh, favourite son <laughs> and Job says Mr Wonderful and then they all start kind of like hugging him and stuff um, and, and then you know they they tell him that the party is now not for Buster and I love how Job says take a look at Ben Michael, <laughs> look at Banner, Michael. <laughs> I don't know why he. I don't know why the banner drops. I don't know. It, the banner is weirdly phrased, and obviously that's a weirdly phrased sentence. I don't know what's happening to them. What is the? Is it? What is the first episode where this strange grammar makes its appearance? I don't, does does that go all the way back to season one? Um, I'm not even sure. I, I don't know actually. I mean, the first time where someone speaks like this is probably where Anyong. You know, says to maybe he no have father, and George Michael says he have father, and then he corrects himself and says has father. You like it, so I, I guess it's just something that they're the you know the the blues are easily influenced by someone accidentally not using correct grammar. Uh, but yeah, it's just a it's just a weird little joke. Um, and then of course this is where Rita enters and sees everybody. And I like how the narrator kind of sums up what's going on where he says, Michael feared he'd been caught in a lie about his family. His family feared they'd been caught by a woman they clubbed, <laughs> drugged, and left on a bench. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, this is where Buster finds out that when he was re when he was getting his medal, he was actually re-enlisting. And earlier, the army sergeant who re-enlisted him basically spoke very fast, so Buster couldn't understand it. And so we now see in slow motion, uh, you know, where he he says that you know you waive rights to private citizenship by accepting this medal, and then he says if you agree, say thank you. And of course, we see Buster very slowly saying <laughs> thank you, uh, and that's such a, a you know a great joke. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, uh, Rita asks who are these people, and then of course when Michael says this is my family, she is, says no. I don't like these people. I don't like uh, these people. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel was probably the viewing public summation of the of, of Arrested Development. Uh, yeah, that was, and that's problem. something that they they use in a later episode. Apparently, um, Fox when when after the the Emmy win, they they kind of commissioned some focus group to figure out what was going on with with Arrested Development and why they couldn't get viewers for it. And apparently a lot of them were like, the family's cold and distant and horrible and we just don't like any of the characters. And so the writers obviously, you know, got wind of that and decided to kind of use it in the show a little bit. It also sounds like the the scene in, I guess it's uh, season one where they get the PR person. Yes. And she explains, she sits them down and explains to them why no one likes them individually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she says to Buster, people find you weird think, and distant. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was what I was gonna gonna say, yeah. and he's like, "Get me out there!" And she's like, "Stay at home." <laughs> um, uh, as Rita leaves, Michael says, "Strike three. Um, you know, obviously, he's admitted in front of the family that he he told her they didn't have a family, um, and this is when some of the 
the kind of greetings from earlier get reversed as Job says, everybody's favourite son, but in a really kind of disappointing way. And then Tobias says, Mr. Terrible. And when he said Mr. <laughs> when, when he said Mr. Wonderful earlier, he, he uh, tapped Michael on the ass. And here he taps him on the ass again, yes. but in a disappointed way. It's <laughs> such a weird little callback joke. This is where Lucille lets slip, where she says, Buster, you should have finished the job. Um, and then she does she does this really weird trick where she, trick where she says, um, uh, Job? Uh, what job? Did I mean to say job? I meant job. <laughs> and this is the this is kind of the one time where like mispronouncing Job's name could kind of work for her. And of course, Job is the one who says Buster's the one that hit her. I just gave her the roofie. <laughs> and I I kind of love how how you know Job kind of grabs Michael. He says, "Take this and love us again." Yeah, just shoving a yeah. forget me now in his mouth. Uh, which I kind of like. And of course, Michael frees himself and says that he's leaving. And then, of course, Tobias says, it's not all bad. I got Buster feeling better about his medal. And then, of course, Buster says, I'm getting rid of this thing. It's caused me nothing but pride and self-respect. <laughs> uh, that's such a great line. And, of course, as he throws it out the window, it's just as George Sr. is getting on his, um, you know, his chair with all the hydrogen balloons. And the narrator tells us that hydrogen is more explosive than helium. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, you know, of course it is. Uh, anyone knows that. Although I should mention at this particular point in time that the Hindenburg, um, you know, aside from the kind of explosiveness of the hydrogen, uh, there was also the, the, the inside it was coated with, I think, silver silver oxide. And that, mm-hmm. actually, that actually made it burn a lot brighter and a lot faster than it would have if it had just been hydrogen. Um, so it's not all the fault of hydrogen that the Hindenburg went down. Um, but you know, I f- I just I just love that we then see the chair hit the ground, and Judge Senior kind of like gets up, and then of course he's immediately caught. Um, he just he just can't escape. We get back to Steve Holt, and uh, George Michael sees that Steve Holt is unconscious, and George Michael asks, "What have you been doing?" And maybe he says, "I, I gave him a roofie. A girl's got to grow up sometime." <laughs> this is when George Michael says he's your cousin and then she's like my cousin uh, and then I, I like that you know <laughs> he says now you've drugged him and had your way with him how is that even possible <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and then of course you know she says she drugged him to not go all the way with him and I like that George Michael says I think even the anti-drugs people would be okay with that um, <laughs> Uh, and then the scene finishes with maybe saying, well, let's get his pants back on. And George Michael saying, you took his pants off? Um, so I guess she really wanted to sell it to uh, Steve Holt that something had happened. But yeah, I mean, I, I just I just kind of like how it ends with... Because at this particular point, you know, George Michael has been trying to figure out a way to basically be in Steve Holt's position. And I kind of like that this ends with just kind of the two of them, you know, um, just... You know, just doing something together. You know, putting Steve Holt's pants back on. Uh, you know, it's not really a kind of cousiny thing to be doing, I guess. But you know, <laughs> it's just a nice little end to that to that particular rep, to that particular kind of subplot. Um, and then you know, Michael tries to figure out uh, what's going on. You know, with the files, he talks to Bob Loblaw, and obviously. Um, you know he's unable to talk to Bob Blah Blah because, as we found out earlier, that the retainer has been used up by uh, Lindsay. 
And we see some of the transcript, which is just kind of like long strings of letters, uh, which, of course, just lets us imagine what Lindsay was doing while she was on the phone being explicit. <laughs> I think it's quite funny. This is, this is when um, Michael kind of... I love it, the line where he says, the thing on page seven looks like it could be worth some money. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Well, yeah. Job kind of wanted... He explains that he wanted to do something nice for Michael because, you know, they do so much for him. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Michael says that, you know, he, he kind of screwed up um, because he was trying to impress Rita and, uh, you know, she's she's too good for him. And I do like how Joe kind of makes up with Michael here by saying that, you know, he just has to go and ask her for another chance. And he says she'd be lucky to have you. Aww. You know, it's a, ni- it's a nice end, which, of course, Job has to then ruin by <laughs> by taking Franklin out. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> as a surprise, and start singing "It Ain't Easy Being White." Uh, and then, of course, you know, Michael goes back to Rita, and um, at Fat Hammies, and she says that she's a very good listener. Um, and we see her point the tail of the the raccoon skin hat towards Michael as he starts to detail some misdemeanors before pushing on through to the light treasons. Um, <laughs> and he starts in 1983, so. I don't know. I don't know how corrupt this business has been, uh, but he's going back like a, a few decades there. Uh, and then, of course, we finish with something which has been a which has started in the previous episode, and which kind of will be a trademark of the the Rita episodes, where it tells us that Michael Bluth will return in Not a Pussy. Um, <laughs> on the next Arrested Development, we then find out that Lindsay uh, is going to work off the the debt for the retainer. Um, and he says, get a maid's uniform and come to buy my house at seven. Uh, and Lindsay says, there's no way to misinterpret that. And then, of course, we see her pulling out a bin dressed in like a French maid's outfit. Uh, clearly, she yeah. has misinterpreted it. Uh, and then, of course, we get a touching moment here between Steve Holt and uh, and Job as he admits he's made a huge mistake, uh, which is the title of this show. <laughs> and he again yeah. says, you know, that... Job admits that he's Steve Holt's father. And Steve Holt says, I won't forget this, Dad. And as the music swells and Steve Holt leaves, Job takes out a forget-me-now and says, I will. I will. And that's where the episode ends. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, he just wants to forget. I don't. I don't know. I. Th- I think obviously I know that Job is the kind of person who would shirk his responsibilities, but I don't know why he doesn't want like any contact with Steve Holt. You know, he spent he spent part of the kind of previous episode hiding from Steve Holt. Um, uh, but before he knew he was his son, he had fun with him in the first episode of the season when they went to Reno. You know. Um, so I don't know why he's he's fighting so hard to get away from Steve Holt at this particular time. Um, especially as Steve Holt just seems like quite a sweet kind of misguided kid who, you know, he's never done anything bad, really. You know, when, when Tobias was directing the play and, you know, he said Steve Holt's going to be the leading lady, he, he was the one who just stayed there and just said his own name and, and then said Beatrice. Uh, you know, so he was yeah. willing to, he was willing to take part in that, you know, he's, He's he's he seems like a nice kid, so I don't, I don't know. Why. And the, the thing, the fact that Job kind of has characterized him as like a, a local neighborhood tough and stuff like that, it's just I don't know. I I just I do I do kind of love the fact that at this point we've managed to get Steve Holt back, but kind of include him in the in the Bluth family. Um, 
you know, because obviously when the character was introduced, he was just this guy who just said his own name. But by the time we get to this point, he's he's got like a little bit more dimension to him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the episode basically ends with Job roofing himself so he can't remember feeling any feelings for Steve Holt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you think we need to uh, cover in this episode? No, I, th- I think we got it all. Uh, I, I don't know if this counts as a callback or not, but the... Uh... When uh, Lindsay misinterprets blah, blah, blah as saying, I have to get off in four minutes, that reminded me of the joke in, uh, I think it's Missing Kitty, where George Michael is answering the phone at the office, and his grandfather calls, and you hear George Michael say, talk you off what (laughs) (laughs) it's basically a riff on the same joke whether it was meant as a callback or not i don't know i mean it could be because it's kind of the same phrasing isn't it yeah jokes i didn't get when i was young and more innocent (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i I agree i like the rita arc and i i I kind of get the sense like from comments on uh, the av club write-ups of the episodes that a lot of people don't like the Rita what? episodes but I think they're funny as hell and I think Charlize Theron is completely charming yeah I was yeah. really excited to you know find this slot open you know it's like I want a Rita episode like specifically like how could you not like these I, I yeah I don't really remember why but that, that was the impression that I got I think it's because you know the fact that uh it kind of dominates basically you start with the second episode and it goes all the way through to the sixth episode. And out of a season that's only 13 episodes long, it's like almost 50% of it is given over to this. And and it's just Michael's plot. There's like five other plots going on, too. I mean, you can't <laughs> complain that, I mean, just because it's the A plot because it's Michael. This is a great episode. There is so many great jokes in this episode. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize it was the one that, that gave us, uh, I can't even say it right or wrong his business card <laughs> yeah the analropist analropist <laughs> yeah you go as if you're going to say analysis and then you you change it to ripist at the end so it's analropist i'm not even yeah. gonna try <laughs> yeah but that's that yeah that is it's a it's a great joke just because just because you know um it, like it, it's just like it's up so quickly and you're like what did i just see what was that like and the fact that business card looks so nice and you know, I, I don't know. It's just such a. It's one of those jokes that I think if you weren't a, if you weren't particularly open to this show, that's the kind of joke that could kind of make people be like, "What is this show about?" <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> did I just? Especially this was this was on at eight eight p.m. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is when it was moved to Monday, that, and it was the lead in. So yeah, kind of, kind of an adult joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean seven seven p.m. Central. So um, there yeah, you go. I, I guess if your kids are seeing the word anaropist. At 7 p.m., uh, you know. Mommy, what's that mean? It's a combination of analysis and analyst. <laughs> He's the, you know, he, he he was qualified in two professions. I think the whole forget-me-now stuff can kind of be a bit dark. Like, the what, some of the stuff that Job is kind of implying that he's done while he's used these things. But I think it kind of works, the fact that they have the payoff at the end where he basically does it to himself so he can forget that he... He had any interaction with Steve Holt. So if there's nothing else to cover, then I think we'll go to plugs. Um, and I'll start with uh, Drew first. Is there anything you wish to plug, Drew? You can find me on Twitter, I guess. Uh, I'm not I'm not doing anything currently. Uh, I used to do a Star Trek podcast uh, called Standard Orbit. 
uh, where we talked the original series, but uh, I, I stopped that earlier this year. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. Great stuff. Fits with the, the whole James Bond theme of this episode, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> it's like a it's like a Arrested Development reference within a reference that you didn't even realize. Oh, wow. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim, is there anything you wish to plug? Uh, well, I am also on Twitter. I'm other Jim Donahue. And uh, also other Jim Donahue on Letterboxd, if you want to know what movies I'm watching. And I'm in a few episodes of, uh, let's see, Cast Next Door and uh, As If. So that's about it. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks to both of you for joining me. No problem. Thanks, Darren. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.